Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. So it's been quite a year, a year, year and a half. We've all been caught up in this lovely little thing called COVID, COVID, COVID. And as we went through it, a lot of emotions have hit the waves and a lot of people have been going, when will this be done? When will this be done? And sometimes we just need a distraction. Hi, I'm Rick Clemens. I'm host of Life Uncloseted. And today we're going to dive into what do you do when you need a distraction? What do you do when you're like, somebody come save us? What do you do when there's no drag super heroes in the world until now? And that's what we're talking about. I'm bringing a very creative, very ingenious guy onto the show who realized through this whole craziness of the last year and a half, which I think is probably not just the last year and a half, but it really got him lit up to say, we all need a hero and not just a regular hero. We need a drag super shiro. And that's what he's bringing to life. His new drag super shiro is Maxley Lawow, and he is super wow himself. So I'm going to shut up and bring Anthony Hand onto the show and say, welcome, buddy. I'm really, really excited to be chatting with you about this because I don't think I've ever seen a drag superhero yet. And bada bing, bada boom, here we are. So happy to have you, buddy. <laughs> here we are. Thank you so much, Rick. It's such a pleasure to be here. I can't tell you how excited I am today. So let's kind of dive into this, though, because, you know, this did kind of come out of, you know, some stuff that came along the way and you've been a comic book geek all your life and and just kind of like, OK, ah, we need something. We need a superhero more in, the, in these times than we ever have before. So what was the inspiration here, man? Because I know there's lots of good stuff you got to talk about. Oh, my goodness gracious. So, you know, I started the story about two years ago, actually. And where I had this idea of a boy finds a magic wig that turns him into a super shiro, but then what? And it wasn't until COVID quarantine when I had a lot more time on my hands. And actually right, right before COVID quarantine, my, uh, I had suffered a detached retina and I was out of work for about a, a month. Mm. So I was out of work for about a month uh, watching TV, barely, <laughs> uh, for a number of weeks through recovery of the detached retina. And, and then COVID struck and I had more time on my hands again. Uh, and then I finally figured out about the, the drag villain. Uh, so I came up with the story of the drag villain where she's discovered that drag queen tears have magical anti-aging properties. <laughs> so she's been kidnapping queens around town and forced them to watch the saddest movie ever made in constant loop to harvest their tears and create a test line of her new cosmetics. And now she's after Maxi uh, to go global and become filthy rich. So that's the idea. And if you ask me, what did I do during COVID vacation? <laughs> COVID vacation. Uh, it's been making this making this come to life. That's so cool. That's so cool. And and it is interesting just because it's it's fun. It's different. 
it's something that, again, I, not that I've looked all over the world, but, you know, as I started to prepare for this, I'm like, actually, I don't think I've ever heard of that. And, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's just one of those things I think is fresh. It's new, it's fun. Um, and I think it'll bring a lot of inspiration and hopefully laughter and hilarity to some people's lives. So, um, so for you, beyond just what you just shared, you know, you had this whole, you know, thing with your detached retina and then you had COVID as all of us did sitting around going, now what? So funny. Cause I was like, okay, now what do I do with my time? Which I was still working full time, but, um, I was kind of like, well, this is the perfect time to write a book, you know, and get that second book going. And I started, didn't go far with it because we, the company I worked for, we got really, really busy in COVID <laughs> kind of strange, but we were one of the few companies like, okay, we're going bank gangbusters. But wow. I know for me, this whole last year and a half has got me really slowed down and really thinking about stuff, looking at things through a different lens. And it sounds like that's kind of what happened for you too. No pun intended about your detached Renda, but, you know, really looking at things <laughs> from a different perspective. That's yeah, that's of- exactly right. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. So, you know, uh, we think about, you know, we, 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 our world craves heroes, and especially from the perspective of authenticity, you know, this notion of queer people as heroes, LGBTQ mm-hmm. people as heroes, this is not something that's very common in our culture, or really probably any culture around the world. We are starting to see more queer people as heroes a little bit more in comic books. And I think there's, you know, they've been certainly blazing the trail in the last, let's say, five-ish years in particular. Uh, In fact, there was, I think, a Marvel, Marvel, I think, has a drag uh, superhero who, like, hosts some sort of show in, like, one comic book. Uh, And so, you know, we can also see on um, one of the Warner Brothers shows, maybe it's Supergirl, has a trans hero now uh, Mm. that appears on TV, which is, I mean, quite groundbreaking also. I think it was Nicole Maines who is that actor. Uh, And, but when it comes to animation, when it comes to especially a feature length film, you know, we've, we've never seen a drag superhero in a feature length film. So this film will certainly make history, as we can say. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. And as we look at this, what I'm so fascinated by it is you're taking not only, okay, let's make a superhero, but you're taking a subculture within our LGBTQ space and saying, let's even take it one step further. It could have just been, okay, a gay superhero or a lesbian superhero or a trans superhero. And I realized that quote drag kind of falls under the trans umbrella. And I don't want to get in debate with that with anybody, but it kind of does start there, you know, but what I love about it is it's truly the trans and the drag environment and community that really set the tone for where we are today. And I don't know how many people really get that. I was talking to somebody the other day, they're like, I never really knew anything about, you know, Stonewall and everything. And I was like, (laughs) going, really? (laughs) How can you be in our community and not know about that? You know, but I think it's powerful when we get to bring these sort of things to life. So by bringing all of this to life and taking it to the place that you want to take it to, what is your biggest hope for what Maxi Lowell can do for somebody that's out there in the world? So from that perspective of representation mm-hmm. um, 
or that perspective of authenticity. Yeah. I really want this to be, I mean, this is a film by creative people from the queer community for the queer community. Uh, but I think it will also be really accessible to our ally friends. You know, I want to be able to hang out on the sofa and watch this movie with my mom. And I want her to like have her girlfriends over and watch, you know, this movie and, and feel comfortable and laugh. And it's through this kind of experience that we not only celebrate our culture amongst ourselves, but by making it accessible to allies, we mm -hmm. also change minds and bring people to love us more. And then the, the other aspect of it is for anyone who needs to see an authentic representation of an LGBTQ person. Um, this main character is, uh, is, a, is a gay young man and will have uh, people of color and will have a, uh, a gender non-binary person and will have a drag king character too. You know, so there's a lot of BIPOC as well as other kinds of LGBTQ representation in this film. So I want people, anyone to watch this to feel inspired and to really help get the kind of courage they might need to also live their own or inspiration to live their own mm -hmm. authentic lives. Yeah. And as we look at that piece, I know for me, as I was finding my way to the closet door and went through it two times, actually, because I came out at a younger age and then kind of went back in and then came back out at midlife. I realized that, and we've, we've talked about this numerous times with on many, many channels, not just my podcast, but how the representation in media has had a huge impact on where we are in the world. You know, everything mm -hmm. from Ellen DeGeneres to, you know, how most, most TV you know, network TV shows at this point in time, there's a pretty good representation. Even if the storyline is only for a few weeks, there's a, there's some representation. And I feel like the more that we bring this to the world, whether it's in our own community or take it to the larger world, you know, it's going to help us in all of our, our own work. So yeah, yeah. as I went through this myself, as I was like looking at everything that had been sent over to me and kind of, you know, going, Oh, I can't wait to talk to Anthony. It did kind of bring me back to my own youth in so many ways going, what would it have been like at six, seven, eight years old, if there had been a gay character in Scooby-Doo or in, you know, the whole Archie's or whatever it was, because I was, I wouldn't say I was a big comic book gig, but yes, definitely, you know, Archie comics and all that was a definite big part of my life. So yeah. as I'm thinking about it, that this week, and, it, and maybe it's because I've been having a lot of conversations around like, Ooh, what, where does stuff show up? And when does it show up in your world? I thought, okay, this is interesting. I never thought about, you know, the Archie's, oh, who was I most interested in? Like, reading about as i read those comics it wasn't the girls it was all the guys yet at that point in time i was like okay i don't know what this really means and here i am now you're just newly 58 years old and going i had never thought about the archie comic books like that until just literally this past week so yeah this is part of what you brought out getting ready for this interview i'm like bitch you did you just revealed <laughs> something to me that I didn't have to go sit and talk to a therapist about, but it, it is so let interesting. Let me ask you. Yeah. Let me ask you. Do you remember the first time you've seen a representation of an LGBTQ person on TV? Because I do, actually. 
I would say the first real recollection I have of that was Three's Company, Jack Tripper. Oh, well. Which really wasn't, but it was. You know, it's like, yeah, we're going to do this, but it's like more out of, you know, for the humor piece of it. But true, like a true character. I mean, again, I could even say, okay, there was kind of something that happened in Dallas, all that arena. But again, it was like almost like coded, as you said, you know. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I, I can't really recall. Yeah, suddenly remember, Ellen would probably be the closest thing, so to speak. But interesting. I remember watching TV with my family, and it was, you know, mom and mom on the sofa, dad in the chair, and I was on the floor, and I was probably. 10-ish or 12-ish, maybe even 8-ish, somewhere in that range. And we were watching, I think we were watching Charlie's Angels, possibly Heart to Heart, if you remember that show also. And there was a a scene in a bar where there was a character who was uh, obviously a gay man and very effeminate. Mm. And my mother, she doesn't remember this, but she made a comment uh, that was very negative about that character along the lines of, I don't want that to be you, or sometimes I think that's you, Tony. And, you know, that's clearly stayed with me for a very long, long time. And that was not a very positive or affirming representation for a boy who recognized that he was a little bit Nelly. And I already knew Mm -hmm. I was attracted to boys. Uh, and so that, yeah, that was, that was a very difficult kind of uh, moment. It's interesting that you bring that up because uh, there was a period of time. So I was born in Colorado, but immediately within the first year, my parents moved to Napa Valley, California. And, you know, California kind of a little more progressive. My parents were hippies and everything. But um, I remember watching TV with mostly with my grandmother, my dad's mom, And most of his brothers and sisters, we all lived in the same area up in the Napa Valley. So there was like tons of grandkids. And, you know, some of the big things to watch was always, you know, Sunday night, Disney, Gilligan's Island, you know, um, I don't know, some of just oh, like Green Acres. So all those kind of TV shows were happening. Right. So then we moved when I was in fourth or I just finished fourth grade. We moved back to Colorado to farm country where my mom's parents lived no tv um almost like went from like everything that you know california kid in the 60s and 70s would have to now farm kid right and i remember vividly my grandmother my mom's mother who was german descent making some comment about at that point, the wetbacks. Okay, so this is really going back. Wetbacks being the Mexican people who worked for them in the farm, going, they're good workers, but you know, there's that one who, well, you know, he's just kind of light in the pants. And I remember going, I don't know what that means, but I don't think I'm supposed to ask a question about that. And so even when I addressed it with my parents later they're like well that just means he's like uncle will so my dad's oldest brother was gay and it was like he was kind of like the quote butt of the joke of everything at every family reunion it's like he was welcome there with his partner but 
you know, as long as they were there, they were nice, nice. But the minute they would walk out of the room or something, somebody would say something about them. And mm -hmm. I remember this so vividly now. So after my grandmother made that comment and my parents kind of like, oh, okay. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I get Uncle Will because, you know, it was Uncle Will and Uncle Bill. And here I am, farm kid in Colorado. And when I did get the few times that I'd go to a friend's house or something that had a TV, of course, I was just like a magnet. It's like, I don't have a TV. So I watch whatever I can, you know. And every once in a while, there were just interesting little snippets of stuff that I can't say I remember vividly, like thinking, hmm, is this gay, which isn't what would cross my mind, but more of just hmm, something kind of has triggered my my thought process around that stuff until my best friend in school we're in the swimming pool one summer afternoon, even though we lived on the farm, we could, we got to go to town and go swimming a couple of times a week. And we're in the swimming pool and he is like, literally like we're hanging on the edge of the pool, just doing chatting and stuff and all that sort of stuff. And he comes up behind me and he starts rubbing up against me. And I'm like, Oh, that kind of feels good. And, and then of course, you know what happens? He he's getting an erection and I'm like, what are you doing? And he goes, well, this is what guys do when they like guys. I saw it on TV. I have no idea what he saw on TV because I wasn't there that day with him. And so, of course, I'm questioning this. And he's like, oh, I said nothing, nothing. You know, suddenly it was like the dirty little secret. But the interesting piece of that, then my radar was really awakened anytime I got to watch TV. You know, everything from, as you said, Charlie's Angels to the Love Boat to Fantasy Island, you know, and then there's this interesting, I felt this sexual charge in myself then about, oh, well, Fantasy Island and anytime there was, you know, the naked chest or something like that. And of course, then Blue Lagoon came out and I was like, okay, hello. <laughs> now I totally get it. But it's so interesting how pop culture and TV and movies have such impact on us as humans, but especially, mm -hmm. I think, LGBTQ individual. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I think in the 90s, and, and of course, with the AIDS epidemic still raging and then finally getting the cocktails and everything, but there were a couple films that were landmarks leaning up to the Will and Grace or post-Will and Grace era, where I feel like post-Ellen, post post-Will and Grace, LGBTQ representation in media was a lot more accepted and reasonably authentic, still, you know, a little bit, you know, satirical or whatever, but, right. but still really pretty reasonable. Right. Uh, but in particular, you know, um, seeing Priscilla Queen of the Desert mm -hmm. and seeing Tuong Fu and then seeing right. in and out like those, those films in particular, I think were really yep. important in the 90s. Yeah. I remember, so in the 90s, I was married to my wife and um, it was such an interesting journey because, again, media, since we're in this realm, I remember watching, I think, was in and out the one with Harry Hamlin? I don't remember if that was the movie, but whereas Harry Hamlin and somebody else, I'm like, oh, no, it was um, Making Love. And I remember watching that movie and my, my wife and I were watching it and I'm just kind of like, 
okay, I don't know why we're watching this because if I watch this with her, she's going to figure this out. But she was kind of like totally into it. And she's like, oh, this is so sad. I can't imagine. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> I can't say anything. I can't say anything, you know. But again, so interesting how as things started to slowly open up and open up and open up, you know, the conversations began happening and then the whole Ellen kind of thing and then debacle of Ellen and, you know, then the surge of, okay, this is what representation can look like. Mm-hmm. And to just see the power of this. And that's why I when it's, when I saw your stuff and I saw, okay, here's where he's going with this. This is really cool because again, you came with Maxi Lowell as the drag queen superhero, you know, the Shiro. And to take something that, and I guess because clear back to Stonewall, but now let's kind of like acknowledge, you know, to RuPaul, making this what I would say, not for everybody in society, because we know there's still a lot of people who like, nope, you're going to hell but making drag and that whole community so much a part of everyday life. Mm-hmm. What a great way for you to now step in and go, okay, well, here's where I'm going to bring this in. So mm-hmm. I know you're a big RuPaul drag fan, correct? <laughs> just a little, just, just a, a little. little, like a little more than a little, but um, which is awesome. And um, what, what's some of the inspiration you've taken from that? to bring into the whole Maxi Lowell arena? Well, you know, um, drag entertainment in general, drag queens, drag kings, uh, is, is really kind of a performance art, I see it. Uh, you know, it can be just female illusion, just mm-hmm. having fun. Uh, but art, art in general has the power to, to change minds, mm-hmm. to inspire people, and to heal. And so I kind of look at drag with all of this potential in there and as well as to entertain of course and you know being gay is political yes we i mean we we need to acknowledge that being just being out and gay is political and then drag because what it is is even somehow another level of political because it there's so much of that playing with gender norms and um social expectations cultural norms whatever the case is you know, and, and, and I, I really celebrate that. And I, I'll have to admit, I was a little bit, uh, I don't want to say latecomer per se, but I had my own journey uh, through my life so far uh, in, in coming to really not only uh, value drag, but also just really love it. Well, it's interesting you say that because I get that. It's like, okay, I, I had a real issue, not so much with, well, not so much with drag, but with like, the leather culture when I came out, I'm like, okay, I don't get this. I don't know why people are into this to me. It's just, you know, and I, I was, I'm, I mean, I'm, I've admitted this on the shows numerous times, both of the show and 40 plus real or 40 plus gay men, gay talk, where I had this just disdain for the leather community. And I'm like, okay, do you really need that to be gay until I realized that wasn't a, what it was about just because you're leather doesn't mean you're gay. Right. And then now as I've worked through it and then I've, you know, now, you know, I've had people on the show that are leather people, you know, gender non-conforming lesbians, trans it's, it's like, okay, I, it's helped me open up me to who I am and to really seeing the world through the multi 
layered queer community lens. And with the hope, I say this fairly frequently, with the hope that the lens just keeps expanding so that the world at large can finally someday go, okay, we get it, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think there's something here that's interesting and it's, it just, I don't know why it just hit me as I was saying this, but by you bringing Maxi Lowell into this world in this way, you're actually in an interesting way, preserving part of the arts as well, because drag has been going on for years. It's not something that just suddenly RuPaul showed up and boom, bada bing, it's done. I mean, I've never done the research, but I've seen numerous stories that, I mean, you can go back and go back and go back. And I mean, I think if we really went back far, far, even into Roman times and stuff, it's been part of what's been going on, but it's always been a piece of not what people assume, not the sexuality piece. It's a piece of it. Yes. But it's not so much that a lot of it is about the theater and the arts. So why is this important to you to be a part of that now? That's a great question. I feel like... Yes, when, when a guest says that's a great question, I know I've hit home run, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I feel like there is not enough really good quality queer content mm-hmm. in movies or in TV. And so when I was in that month-long recovery for my, uh, my detached retina last year in January, uh, I, I kind of ran out. <laughs> I'd seen a lot of really great shows and movies already. Uh, and then I you know, binged through uh, Schitt's Creek, which is freaking amazing. Yep. Uh, and, and I'm like, I don't want to watch something that is just so, uh, has, is based on, on love trauma. For example, I, I love the movies that are about HIV and AIDS because there's so many beautiful stories that need to be told in that area. But sometimes you're just not in the mood for that kind of heaviness. Yeah. Uh, or coming out stories, which I've seen a lot of and I uh, celebrate those too. Uh, but sometimes you're not in the mood for that either. <laughs> I'm like, I just kind of want a romantic comedy that's gay, kind right. of like trick, but updated. Right. Or I kind of just want to watch something that's entertaining. And you know, there, there actually is a cartoon on Netflix called Super Drags that's uh, very, let's just say it revels in being an adult uh, animation. Hmm. Uh, and there are probably eight episodes, six or eight episodes. That's out of a studio from Brazil originally. Hmm. Uh, and the American dub is fantastic, uh, but it's very adult. <laughs> So you see like one of the, one of the heroes is very well hung, for example, and you see right. a stick package flying all over. It's, it's kind of, kind of amusing. And I also well, now, don't want to show now I know where, Now I know what I'll go watch tonight. So, uh, but that's, that's very, it's a very observant thing to see where you can bring this in, how you can, how you can use and leverage that. And I feel like one of the things that some people might see is the connection between <clears throat> drag and animation because it's it's all very creative number one and the minds behind this i mean i'm always fascinated one of one of an acquaintance of mine i I can't really call christopher a friend but i've gotten to know him but um he's known in the drag world as Edie the entertainer and he was the mistress of zumanity up until that show closed in vegas uh, during covid and just to see the art 
artistry and how he showed up and then to think about animation and where animation has come, you know, and there's so many interesting layers of animation too, mm -hmm. to see how it's about creativity as one connection. What do you see some of the connections between drag and animation to be? Well, you know, uh, animation has a history of kind of pushing boundaries. Mm -hmm. I think when you can take a topic and maybe code it a little bit or, um, or present it in a way that feels a little bit lighter and yeah. adjacent to the topic at hand, then, then it's a really good way to kind of move people forward. I mean, Bugs Bunny doing drag, it was, it was kind of a guy in a, in a dress right? And, and done for the humor more than for anything, any other reason. Uh, but that also pushed us forward even back, back in those days uh, in, in probably in balance in a good way. I think even as a kid, and I could be wrong, of course, we'd have to go look up in the archives of all this, but I even think on <clears throat> Beverly Hillbillies, uh, and even on Gilligan's Island, there was definitely some drag camp stuff happening with some of the male heroes, you know, I'm pretty sure I remember Jethro from Beverly Hillbillies showing up a couple of times in dresses. And then even on Gilligan's Island, which, you know, they had the most fabulous costumes for being stuck on a freaking island. But um, I do remember Gilligan and I think even the captain a couple of times, there were some storylines in that. So it's such an interesting thing to see how quote society will push back on stuff like this, but it's like, really, really used to sit there and laugh your ass off. And you'd see these things. Now it's so taboo, you know, or not completely taboo, but it is taboo in some evangelical circles, so to speak. So uh, did I actually say it on? Yes, I did. It's my damn show. So I can say that, but um, <laughs> so um, I'm curious because something came up as I was preparing for this. So you do something with PayPal that's interesting and it has influenced this too so give us a little insight to what you do with paypal and everybody's going well what does he do is he getting ready to use that to pay for this thing well maybe he's maybe going to do a fundraising thing maybe not through paypal but i think it's important to talk about the holistic approach to like you're not just you know creating this lovely little drag animation thing there's other facets to who anthony is yeah, well, professionally, I'm a software designer, and I've been working in the field for about 20 years. I've been at PayPal for three, so I'm actually a full-time designer at PayPal. And PayPal is a fantastic place to work. I've really loved working there. Um, and one of the things I love about PayPal is that PayPal really does support, in a, in a really good and authentic way, I'd say, um, the different kinds of employee resource groups or ERGs there. Uh, so I'm on our committee for our uh, pride organization, our global pride organization. And also I lead our Bay Area pride chapter. Uh, and then we have other groups for black employees and women, uh, women and uh, Asians and, uh, and uh, people of faith as well as a few others. So yeah, it's been extremely rewarding organizing events and um, I network to the Silicon Valley High Tech Alliance on as PayPal's liaison with that group. And that's people from the respective pride organizations to other Bay Area companies. We do joint fundraising together and do information sharing on policy and so on. That's so awesome. one of the more interesting things I've done at PayPal as a pride leader is um, right before COVID, I organized a health benefits panel for uh, PayPal employees. So we could, from the lens of LGBTQ 
benefits. And we got our healthcare providers, our um, providers doing things like fertility and adoption assistance, uh, and a few other kind of related groups together to come together and talk about how, how are they trying to make it easier for LGBTQ employees to leverage their benefits, whether it's going through the transition process from start to end in a coherent way uh, through our healthcare provider, which engages a ton of different sub providers too, to um, adoption assistance or fertility assistance for mm -hmm. couples uh, from different perspectives like that. And this year I did another one. Well, I did a, 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 a benefits uh, presentation on uh, LGBTQ financial wellness or mm -hmm. financial empowerment. Uh, and I am going to probably work on a panel of uh, I think financial benefits, because we have like three or four financial benefits providers at PayPal from stock options management to 401k to right. uh, a couple of things. And I want to get them together too and talk about this because, you know, queer folks have a, a little bit different needs and emphasis in our lives with regards to how we save, how we invest and, and our risk first behaviors right. and with financial. No, behavior. That's awesome. And it is interesting to work with those ERGs. I've worked with a, a couple of them in the past, <clears throat> just from the perspective of, you know, in the queer community. So doing, you know, LGBTQ awareness sort of stuff, but also being a resource for employees who are coming out, you know, especially yeah. employees in, in midlife who are coming out because mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a, it's such a holistic thing for any of us as we come out and, mm -hmm there is a, a different, a different journey for somebody in midlife because you may already have a family and you're known a certain way in the organization and no different than, you know, anybody else, but there are some, I hate to use the word, there's some baggage that comes with, you, but some good baggage, hopefully kids is usually, Hey, I was glad I had my kids, but it's just, it's interesting, which is no different really than someone who's in going to go through transition to be fully who they are as a transgender individual. And, you know, I hate it when people go, yeah, they were Sally on Friday and they're sunny on Monday. I'm like, that's not the way it happens, folks. Sorry, but um, <laughs> it's, it's, it is, but it's so good to have those in place because a, they're supportive regardless of what it is, you know, whether it is Asian or Black or LGBTQ or, as you say, you know, faith-based or whatever it may be. Um, and it's always interesting to me when I talk about these. People are like, well, why don't they have one for Christians? I'm like, well, how do you know they don't? Okay, you, you know, some companies do because they're, they are truly equal opportunity employers who want to recognize everybody. And I think it's an important role in most companies to have that just because it helps create the team environment or resources for people who need it most. So I would say just real quick on the faith side, you know, um, we're a global company and we have people from all different religious backgrounds. Yes. And this is a new group within our company, maybe two years. So it's really great to see that it's not just about Christian American evangelical Christians. It's also you know, a lot of folks from other backgrounds uh, sharing their faith and, and how they kind of get through this life, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It is good. Even though, you know, the U.S. is only a Christian company. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> or not a company, a country, I meant to say. But um, so I'm curious for you, what's next? Because I know you're, you're like, okay, I'm embarking on this adventure. So, you know, here we are the middle of September. What's going on for you? And where is this thing going, man? 
Yeah, so we have the Indiegogo. Our goal for this campaign is to raise $50,000, which will really help us out with the pre-production and getting things going from that perspective. Uh, we're also um, starting doing, we're in the middle of casting and we expect to do our voiceovers as early as next month. Can you That's believe awesome. it? But we just need to get the voices done. Yeah. We're also doing uh, original music for this uh, show. We're going to have at least three original lip sync numbers in the mm. film, which is going to be a lot of fun. I'm kind of working on possibly getting a fourth number in there. Nice. And uh, and it's it's going to take us two years to do the animation because it's all you know hand drawn, 24 frames a second. That's yeah. a whole lot of whole lot of drawings. So God bless those folks. Yeah. Uh, and then in 20, late 2023, we'll start the, um, the, the film festival circuit. Uh, and in 2024, if all goes well, we'll be able to um, hit the theater then. So the timing on theater really depends on what our distributor kind of works out with the calendars right. and what, what other crazy tent poles are coming out and so on. But hopefully by um, summer, fall of 2024, we'll be in theaters. And then after theaters, we'll do the whole you know, roll out to cable and everything. Awesome. And eventually, like after this, um, and in, in the two minute adventure reel that you can see on our website, maxi.com, or also on the Indiegogo page, there's most of the scenes are from the current production, but there are a few scenes from potential future storylines. Right. So the unicorn and the, uh, the fairy gang, by, uh, by the motorcycle gang, yeah. Um, I'd like to see those uh, happen in future storylines, maybe in a TV show or mm. in future movies. That's so cool. So cool to see a dream and an idea and a concept, you know, starting to take legs and walk and strut or sashay away, whatever we want to call it in this world. But um, it's very exciting. I'm so glad we had the chance to be one of the first to talk about this and to share it because I feel like what you're doing has the potential to somebody who may be listening, got a lot of listeners. We get about 10,000 downloads a month right now on this podcast. And a lot of them are people who are still questioning, can I be who I am? And how do I show up in the world in my own way? And I'm hoping just by this conversation, and maybe if they go watch the you know promo reel and everything, that they'll start to say, okay, well, if this can happen, why can't I be who I am? So um, yeah, absolutely. You know, Schitt's Creek really was so influential for me also because they live in a world where those gay characters can just be themselves. There's no drama from threat of violence. No, there's no like dramatic coming out. They just are. And it's, yes. you know, real and it's beautiful. And the friends around them love them for being who they are authentically. And so that's kind of the, the, the take I'm taking with this movie as well. Uh, I realized is that I wanted this movie to be these characters exist in this fantasy world whether it's fashionable, can't be fun fantasy world, and they are themselves. And yeah. you know, there'll be scenes of people walking down the street, men in high heels and business suits together. Like, why not? That's awesome. Because that's what the world should be. It's everybody can be themselves. As long as they're not hurting other people, everybody can be themselves. So, um, well, Anthony, I wish you all the best luck with this man. Um, I think what will probably happen and, I don't know. I'm going to say this. I'm like, will I really be doing this podcast that far down the road? But if I am, I think it'd be great to have you back as things start to get released and it hits the circuits and all that sort of stuff. 
because I'd love to do an evolution of where are we, or maybe even a year from now we go, okay, let's check in again and, and see where we're at and wishing you all the best. And thank you for bringing this to the world and showcasing what it truly means to be uniquely who you are in a, in a lens that has yet to be done. So really appreciate you, man. And thanks for taking time to talk to our listeners today. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun and I would love to come back. You're such a delight. And, uh, I've really enjoyed your podcast too. Okay, can you say that last part again? I want. To, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, no, I love this. This is one of my joy factors in my life, and I get to meet great people like you and and just talk about the real stuff. Because whether it's drag or comics or whatever it is, I think everybody has something they're meant to bring to the world, and I wish the world would just let people bring it to the world in the right way. So, absolutely. Again, thanks so much for being here, man. Sh- truly appreciate you. Thank you so much. See y'all in Maxi World. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.